morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> you serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Welcome into the Midday Grind, 590 The Fan, 590TheFan.com. I'm Charlie Marlowe. We have Jim Hewer. We have Brian Hoffman. We have Matt Rocchio. The Rock Man sliding in for the Peoria Plowboy for the next hour here on this program. And in a couple of minutes, we will check in with Martin Kilcoin live from Boston as he's going to break down what he saw in the player's perspective. He was in the dressing room and... There for the news conferences after game one of the Stanley Cup final. And as we mentioned previously, also, Martin uh, went to Fenway Pack to talk it over with Tony LaRussa for his his weekly segment. So we'll see what uh, TLR had to say about uh, the Cardinals, what's going on, maybe who he's he's rooting for. you got to root for the Blues if you're Tony LaRussa. I mean, I know you work for the Red Sox, but that doesn't mean you have to be a Bruins fan right now, right? No, Tony's not one to pick sides sometimes. Remember he went there with a blank cap for the Hall of Fame? That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. (laughs) He's very diplomatic that way. Yeah, I don't think he's going to pick a side. So we'll talk with Martin in a couple minutes. Kenny Wallace coming up Tuesdays with Kenny at around 1230. Got a reset, of course, the big story of the day, of the week, of the year, really, of, of, of decades for the St. Louis Blues. Last night, history being made, the Blues in their first Stanley Cup final game since 1970, losing 4-2 to Boston. And I think we've all agreed that, uh, look, if you're, and I'm not this person that you should always try to look for the positives. You should be real and you should be fair. And so clearly the Blues were dominated second and third period. But the fact that it was still a 3-2 game in in arguably their worst postseason game of, of this entire run and it was still a close game late, you can take some positives from that. As we now bring in Fox 2 Sports Director and co-host of this fantastic show. Speaking of positive energy, bring it in. Let's do it. Marty loves the positive live from Baston. (laughs) Martin Kilcoin, what's up? You guys want some positive vibes? Let's go. How about this? Last night, run to the restroom, media floor. I overhear some Boston media talk, and the one guy says, hey, you got to go to St. Louis. The guy's like, yeah, I'm going to cover the games there. Very resigned. And the other guy says, hey, it could be worse, right? And the guy goes, yeah, I guess so. There's our new slogan, baby. It could be worse. <laughs> could be worse. Could be worse. That's a great I way. That off. I just did an Uber ride, and uh, the guy said, hey, where are you from? And I said, St. Louis. He said, is that in California? Yep. I said, well, <laughs> kind of. Yes. You know, it's kind of like. St. Louis is, what are we, the South, Chuck? Are we the Upper Midwest? I keep forgetting, but uh, I said, yeah, if you got the Marlowe map out, we're kind of, yeah, we're kind of in California. <laughs> now, look, we don't have to get back into this. We're in the Ohio said, River Valley. No, what I always said is we're kind of a tweener. We're kind of a tweener, little Big Ten, little SEC, little South, little Midwest, right? That's all I'm saying. 
But yeah. By the way, what day is today? Today Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, Tuesday. May twenty eighth. More, more importantly, have we acknowledged the obvious today that it's David Perron's birthday? It's funny you say that because Brad Straubinger had the exact same text message to me. He texted wow. me and said, "Make sure you mention Happy Birthday to David Perron." Oh, and it might be Chuck Marlowe's birthday as well. So drop by food at the TD Garden. Frank and I will be here for about another hour. Yes, thank you. 37 <laughs> years young. It's uh, great to still be alive. Martin, give us your thoughts on game one and and also just kind of what happened uh, post-game. I'm just – maybe the, the listeners don't care as much about this, but I'm, I'm looking at the pictures. It looks like there's like 5 million people in these small dressing rooms. Uh, there are close to 5 million, and as uh, – Fate would have it. The Zamboni is passing by me. So I, this is a true rink report. It's not called the Zamboni anymore. It's the Olympia. They have two of them here. So I apologize for the noise. I think the disappointment is obvious. I mean, you're winning two to nothing. We joke about the dreaded two goal lead, but you're winning two to nothing early in that second period. It was a real quiet building. I think the Bruins fans, although probably a cocky bunch, were really nervous at that point. You had a chance to kind of hold tight. And the real disappointment is not just blowing the two-zip lead, but this is something they've done a lot. So get a big goal. Have a moment that feels like it's not a turning point, but a, but a big moment. And they give up the goal right away, right after. It was a minute 16 after the Tarasenko goal that they made it 2-1. And that's after they killed off a bunch of penalties and survived the first period. So I think disappointing. There's no other way to look at it. Are there comparisons to the San Jose game one? A lot of penalties, played poorly, and still came back and won the series for sure. But there's no way to walk away from that without feeling disappointed. I guess you could say, hey, we were still in it. Bennington, on the whole, did a good job. You look at the number of saves he made, but that third goal was brutal. And he owned it. He said afterwards, that's my puck. i got to be better than that. So very disappointing. You win on Wednesday, nobody cares. I joked about it on Twitter. Who won the first game of the Cup Final last year? Nobody remembers. I'm sure we were all at Strix House watching, but it was Vegas, and they did not win the Cup. So it's not the end of the world, but, boy, Boston looked like they really found their game in that second period. It was It's amazing it was only 2-2 after that second period. So any other uh, interesting quotes or uh, reactions from players? It seemed like what I'm watching, and, and then on Fox 2 you had great coverage as well. It seemed like – I just think fans react – uh, you know, much more severely than, than the players do, especially with these series. We all kind of overreact to the first game, and then seemingly all these series are tied 1-1 and tied 2-2, and then you realize it's going to be like a long two-and-a-half-week process, we would hope. I mean, just listening to the players and watching the players after the game, they all kind of said, all right, it's one loss, we'll, we'll get them Wednesday. Yeah, I think when you're 20 games in to a postseason run, they're not going to react too strong other than an elimination game or a clinching game. I don't think they're going to overreact or have too strong a statement after one game. I thought the positive was, I mean, the Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line didn't kill you. In fact, Pasternak gave you a goal basically when he passed the puck to Shen on the Tarasenko goal. So, you know, I think looking at what happened, you know, Boston's lesser lights are the ones who beat you. So the the upset, I know Marchand got an empty netter, but, for the most part, they did a good job with that group. Boston's really talented. We know that. I think the Blues' third line, the Bozak-Thomas-Maroon line, which has done a great job, they're going to have to be a lot better in game two. But your first line was really good. So, no, I don't think anybody was too worried. I'm interested. We're going to talk to players in here shortly. I'd like to hear a little more from Joel Edmondson about what went on with him and Backus 
you know, at the time, there's no replays where we're sitting in the press box, so it's been really hard to understand some of the penalties. I don't know how bad some of the calls are. You guys are probably seeing it better at home on NBC than we are. But I saw some of the footage today with Backus sort of digging in on Bennington, maybe hitting his knee. So I'm, I'm real curious to hear more from Edmonton, a former teammate, about how things are getting heated with him and Backus. Yeah, I wonder if something happened that rookie season. Was there a little rookie hazing with the captain? Because that did seem kind of out of character for both of them. And even Bennington gave uh, Backus the real nice elbow there when he was laying on him in the crease. Yeah, and it, 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 and it looked a little bit uh, excessive when Edmondson hit him in the back. But I think what was going on there is he thought Backus was really faking it with the high stick and that he stayed down too long and that he was overselling it. And I think, in a sense, when Edmondson went and hit him in the back, it looked like, oh, my God, you just knocked over an injured player. It looked really bad at first. I think it's because he thought Backus was embellishing and it was sort of going back to our Dallas series where the guys were flopping. And I think Edmondson was pissed and he was laying down like, hey, you want to fight? Let's do it. Or don't just lay there and act like you're hurt. So I love that storyline. That's intriguing to me. Uh, the upside, Brad Marchand did not lick anybody so that we were unscathed in game one in that regard. <laughs> but nobody said anything. I mean, Bennington talked. He was asked about Marchand hitting him, which clearly Marchand went out of his way to run into him. He said, hey, it's hockey, guys. It happens. No big deal. So I, I think the mood will be fine. I think game two obviously is huge for them. But so far, it's no panic. Martin, obviously we're going to find out more today. But based on what took place uh, skating yesterday, do you get a sense that Vince Dunn has a chance to play? You know, it's interesting what qualifies as reporting. But <laughs> wow. Frank Cusimano and I were in the press box. And the, where they have us seated, we're right next to all of the healthy scratches. One of them is Vince Dunn. So during an intermission, we turn around, and Vince Dunn is eating like a brownie or a cookie or something. I said, Frank, look, oh. his mouth's okay. And he <laughs> said, can we report that? And then I said, yeah. I think. So I, I think there's a chance. We'll be, I don't know if Ruby will tell us today. But he has been out there. First he was skating, then he was practicing with the team. So I think there's a chance, and there's a guy with some, in addition to being a young, skilled player, some offensive skill. I don't know if you tweak your lineup beyond that at this point. barbershop has been pretty quiet, I think. Um, but I don't know if you'd go Fabry at this point. I think at this point, Ruby's going to stick with everybody other than maybe a Vince Dunn being in there. But hopefully, yeah, Ruby will give us an update on that. <clears throat> and I thought Chief was pretty direct last night, and we're not going to talk about penalties. Sort of like the hand pass. He said, we're not, we, we don't sit and talk about penalties. we got to play better. They were better than we were, period. And, Martin, I don't know what your prediction was before the series. I don't know if we got that officially on I air. Six. I stuck okay. with six. Blues and six. So, Again, because if you pick Boston, nobody will ever forgive you. So you got to pick the home team for sure. Correct. I did notice that. I was I was happening to watch uh, another pregame show somewhere that was interviewing what? all of the local writers, and I did notice that every single one of them picked the Blues. And I'm wondering if the same story was done in Boston. I'm guessing that every single local Boston writer picked the Bruins. But my question to you is this. Have you changed your mind at all based on one game? I, I think, again, maybe if you're overly negative, you think, man, we could get steamrolled in this series when you see what happened in the second or third period, how well the Bruins played. Do you still think this will be a long series? I do. I mean, I think, obviously, Boston's good. We know that. I think the concern might be, I mean, what we've seen on the Blues, and I'm all, always a big body-to-work guy, and the Blues body-to-work in these playoffs tell you that they're going to win more times than they lose. Bennington's going to play well more times than he plays poorly. Excuse me, battling through a little upper body injury here. But um, 
I think the concern would be Tuka <laughs> Rask. Or Brownie, who, Tuka Rask, who is obviously a proven goalie, but also you look at the career numbers playoff-wise, his goals against is like right at two. So and his, his save percentage is extremely high. That, that, that may be a challenge. They did get a couple goals off him last night, obviously. But I think moving forward, that that's a huge weapon for Boston. But, no, I wouldn't change it based on one game. But is there a reason to be concerned that, you know, Boston maybe arguably is the better team and could win the series? Sure, obviously they could. But I don't think we're talking about a team that's, you know, four games better. I think it's still going to stretch out for a while. What about your status for game two, Martin? I'm a little worried about you. Well, Barubi will update that in just a little bit. Um <laughs> God, I don't. It's the worst time, and it's almost summertime to get some kind of head cold. That's what I've got, and I'm living on a boat, which doesn't have the same amenities as a hotel. Uh, Jimmy's older, like I am, so he could appreciate. I feel like Quincy. I'm not sure I've ever really, ever really wanted to live on a boat. It's actually the, the setting is great for live shots for Fox Two, and proximity to the arena is really good. It's like an Uber ride. It's two, three minutes away, so that part's been great, but. You're sleeping on a rocking boat at night. It's it's a little unique, I would say, but I will battle. This is not the time of year to talk injuries, okay, guys? That boat I saw on social media, that's the one you're staying on? The SS Gloria. Yep. Ah, now, okay. Here, the back story from what I'm told, they were having a meeting. I was not there. Always attended the meeting. <laughs> you should always attend a meeting, attend <laughs> meetings that affect your travel. Yes, you should. <laughs> but... But the discussion was how much is a Boston hotel, and it was like, whoa, this one's three hundred, this one's four hundred, you know, whoa, whoa. And somebody said wisely, hey, what about like a VRBO? Maybe there's an apartment downtown or something. You rent it for a week, get a good deal. And then somebody saw this boat, and said, God, look at the location, and it is scenic. It's perfect. You can see TD Garden from the dock, and you know, I guess it's it's not cheap, but it's still better than two hotel nights for a week, whatever. Um, and it's great. I'm, I'm mocking it a little bit, but it, it's a very, I would say it's very unique. That's interesting. How about, just from your standpoint, from the coverage and covering this event as opposed to World Series or Super Bowls? Because I was pretty blown away by uh, the the day before uh, Game 1 where there was it looked like a madhouse there. What, what's that been like? Yeah, and I think it's, it's, you know, when we would go to a Super Bowl or World Series, you know, you recognize a lot of the media faces from ESPN or New York outlets. This is a whole nother world because of the Canadian coverage. The amount of uh, Canadian media that are here that we don't recognize, but that the players walk by, they all know these guys. And then you go in the locker room and there's Sundquist doing an interview in Swedish. And there's a Russian station covering terrorist things. I think the international appeal of, these, of this series is fascinating. They open the locker room to their credit. But it's just an absolute madhouse because there's so many people. Um, I think the international flavor is more notable, or at least it has been for me. And God bless a guy like Sundquist who's standing there doing an interview with some guy from Sweden and then turns around and says to me, yeah, what's up? And then does a completely <laughs> different interview in English. And he's an interesting person because he won a cup in Pittsburgh. I assume his name's on the cup. And didn't get to play. He was a healthy scratch. So we asked. I asked him the question, how much different is this? And later we're editing, and our great photographer, Dave Sharp, is like, well, of course it's different. Jesus. And I said, I know, but I needed him to say that. So it may have sounded like a stupid question, but it elicited the bite we were looking for. 
So I would say to, to Jimmy's question, it's probably the international flavor that you get here, and I guess Canada would be considered international as well. Okay, so Martin, uh, switching topics here. I was going to end with the boat, but you already mentioned the boat. So how about uh, Tony Larusa? You were in his office in Fenway Pack. Oh, yeah. We were kind of wondering. Of course, I want to know what you guys talked about, but how is the office decorated? We're wondering are there dogs and cats and pictures or pictures <laughs> of the Cardinals or what? Well, I can tell you, so we do our weekly segment, Tony Talk, and uh, even though he said to me, now where do these things show up? This is now, what, about two months into it. He's asking, <laughs> where do these play? But it's scoops with DannyMac.com, or you can get them on iTunes and Google and all that stuff. But I show up at Fenway, kind of coordinated since I was here, and I said, number one, the great Jim Thomas is walking by. Jim Thomas, everybody. Would you like to say happy birthday to Charlie Marlowe? You're live on the Oh, radio. yes, please. It's Jim from Oakville. I'd just like to say happy birthday to Chuck. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, JT. Let's, uh, let's do that hockey. Here you go. Here's Mark. Love it. Uh, Love it. Cameo. You just Wonderful. KTRS not compete with that drive-by for Chuck. Um, <laughs> but we get, so I get to Tony's office, and the first thing I said was, I didn't realize you had an office. I didn't really realize you had, like, a real job. Wow. Kind of made up. Wow. <laughs> my goodness. My, but my new theory is that the reason he works there and has this uh, job and has an office is because his wife wanted him to take all of his crap and put it somewhere. He's got pictures everywhere, memorabilia, game ball from the Super Bowl that Bill Belichick gave him, pictures of him in red shades. Great picture of him where Belichick's on the bench at spring training and then John Havlicek's on the other side sitting with them. Uh, but he does have an office at Fenway. We take our latest segment. <clears throat> and he's, he's just a grinder. I mean, we wrap up our interview, and they go, Dave's looking for you. And he's talking, Dave Dombrowski, who's the president of the Red Sox operations, he's going to draft meetings. I'm like, good God. But he said, hey, if you, if you work in baseball, you've never worked a day in your life. So he's still doing it, still having fun, but kind of fun to be at Fenway. Terrible Cardinal memories, of course, 2004, 2013. But it is pretty cool just walking around the exterior there. And his office is located in Inside Fenway, they grow. Now, the lady who walked me in said that they're running out of space because the analytics department keeps growing. And I said, well, <laughs> just put Tony in charge. I said, he'll downsize that. <laughs> uh, love good. that. <laughs> Kidding, of course. We actually dug in a lot this week, not only on the Bill Buckner passing and how that was sort of his legacy, the ball between his legs, but also uh, lineup construction and how, you know, should a Goldschmidt hit two and we dug in a little bit on how the pitcher hit eighth and how much crap he took for that. And he told a long story about how when he decided to do it, he asked Red Shane to go Kissel what they thought. And part of the problem is telling the guy that's hitting ninth that he's double leadoff and trying to get somebody to like a Tom Pagnazzi saying, Yeah, great, I'm I'm double leadoff, Tony, except I'm actually <laughs> still hitting ninth. This is a good thing. <laughs> but no, it was a great visit and uh, that'll be up online. Tony won't find it, but it'll be up online later this week. I wonder, too, and I don't know if you got into this as well, but, you know, years ago, remember when, when Tony LaRusso with the A's, they kind of uh, tinkered with having three different starting pitchers throw three innings apiece, and everybody thought he was nuts. And that was maybe, I want to say, what, 20-plus years ago. And now baseball, I don't want to say totally moving that direction, but when you see teams have openers and then kind of bulk innings guys, you can see how that philosophy, you know, could be implemented more in Major League Baseball soon. Yeah, I think 
the idea is to always have some new ideas, like throw it against the wall and you get made fun of. And I, at one point, and I'm thinking back now, this may be the first podcast where I actually dropped an S-bomb because I was talking about how much crap Tony took every time he would try something different. But he said in the 98 season, he said, I didn't care. I'd been around for a while. But he said the reason they did the pitcher eight had a lot to do with McGuire hitting third. And McGuire was hitting all these home runs, but nobody else was doing anything. And that was sort of the impetus uh, to that. But, no, I think to your point, Charlie, and another thing he wanted to get – I don't think we even talked about it on air that he wanted people to be aware of. He said St. Louis should look for it. There's an MLB Network special on Dave Duncan. And the idea of coaches, you know, being more valuable than people realize and all the stuff that Duncan was innovative with. And he said uh, that the MLB Network people called him. He's in it. All these other people are in it. He said the person who offered the least for the show was Dave Duncan <laughs> because he just doesn't <laughs> like talking. Doesn't. Frank Cusimano is here, everybody. I told him we're here till however late. Well, Frank, did you want to wish Charlie a happy birthday? Charlie, happy birthday. A lovely tenderloin uh, buffet here. Mm. Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Really tasty. Some good pasta. Mo Drummond is pounding down desserts like there's no tomorrow. That little guy can really go to work. I know he can eat buffet here. <laughs> that little guy so is like Brad Marchand. <laughs> and then tonight, the North End, we're going to have our first really good meal. We're going to Limoncello. Now, Charlie, you're familiar with Limoncello in uh, Jupiter. There's a Limoncello here that's supposed to be out of sight. Oh, Frank, I don't know if you were there for this. I think you were. It was a couple spring training trips ago. I've told yeah. this story before, but one of my favorite memories was going to Limoncello, and you're seeing uh, all the cars, I mean, Rolls Royces, BMWs, and all that, and I go up there to the valet, and I throw him the keys <laughs> for my Fox 2 transit vehicle. <laughs> That was quite the impression. I'm going to send you back to Marty. Marty, you are live on the air with Charlie Marlowe. The great Frank Cusimano handing over the phone. The great Dave Sharp is alongside Super Dave. Dave Solomon in the distance here, all observing a Blues morning skate. I think we're about to head into the locker room. But, guys, great to be with you. Let's do it again tomorrow, maybe live from the boat. All right. Ooh, yeah. yeah. The SS Gloria, I believe it's been dubbed. Where's your dinner tonight, Martin? Are you going with Frank to Lemoncello's, or are you going somewhere else? You know, it's interesting. I was standing a foot away from him, and he's looking right at me, and no mention of being included. <laughs> that sounds like a Mike I mean, Bush, get, Frank I mean, Cusimano date. There you go. <laughs> all right, Matt. All right, thanks to, thanks to Offenberg Hyundai and uh, Triad Bank, and, of course, my buddy Fast Eddie, who texted yesterday, said, the good news is you look fine, but you sound like bleep. Oh. So I'm, working, I'm working on the voice. All right. Skate boy, skate. All right, take care. That's uh, Matten from Baston. I didn't realize he was staying on that boat. Oh, That's yeah. Funny. I thought he just was at the harbor and said, hey, look, there's this boat. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I'll just say this. Um, this is kind of along the lines in the same vein of, of Tony La Russa always having new, fresh ideas. And I, I appreciate that, even if they don't work. I think it's cool to try new things. And, again, Whatever it was, 25 years ago, when he has three different pitchers throw three innings, and people are like, oh, you're crazy. That. Would it shock you if that's the way baseball is in five, ten years for a lot of teams? I'm not saying everybody, but I bring that up because there was discussion around Fox 2 because we had this nice deal with the boat and we got a sign made. I believe I believe it says SS Gloria. Yeah. And uh, that if Martin did his live shots from the boat, he could wear a captain's hat. 
And uh, I, I, like I thought that. I really I should that have done that. Great. I like Martin that. Martin disagreed, and I'd have to say that if I was the one doing the shots, I probably wouldn't want to wear the hat. But the fact that Martin was doing it, I was really hoping I could throw down to the SS He's Gloria. the captain of the sports department. Let's go to Captain Kilcoin. Yes. Martin nixed that, though. Aww. No captain's hat. I'd watch. Really? Tell him I'd watch. I'm in that. I'm in the coveted demographic of 18 to 45. I would watch that if he did that. Well, maybe tomorrow when he does his radio hit, yeah. if he just wears the captain's hat and then he tweets out a picture. Can you can you have like some sailing slang also while he's on tomorrow? He seems like a boatsman. Yeah, doesn't he? Like if the, the Blues boat, win tomorrow, the boat looks yard there, Martin. Let's just Describe say the Blues win tomorrow, and there's no bad power plays. You can say that you know the power plays. They got the barnacles off the hole of the power plays. <laughs> He's got to do stuff like that. All right, we're gonna take a break. We apologize, Kenny Walls not joining us for Tuesdays with. Sounded like he had a busy weekend. Yeah, he was traveling all over. A the lot place. of racing. We'll check with, in with uh, Kenny Walls later in the week. We'll take a break right now. Before we do that, though, Brian Hoffman, uh, sponsors. We got the uh, free dotum open. We already discussed. That. We have the free dotum open. That is this Thursday, but uh, we do also have Schnucks, and they are partnering Charlie, Jim, Rock, the yes. Folds of Honor. Schnucks is proud to be hosting a six-course dinner and silent auction on June 2nd at the Schnucks Cooking School at the De Pere location. Get your tickets at uh, under the Cooking School tab at schnucks.com and come out to support an incredible organization. My friends at Schnucks have a surprise for you. In fact, they have tons of surprises in store for you. They've completely reformulated the taste and quality of hundreds of Schnucks brand items throughout the store. Ice cream, pizza, chips, snacks, cookies, all designed to meet or beat the big national brands on chip on taste and quality and you save money at the same time i can attest to the chips being fantastic you get them for like a dollar at the store too and they're bigger really than good. like the snack size chips you get at the grocery store. about the maple ones there's less yes. air there's less air yes i, I, I yes. believe there's less air and there's it's a good hybrid it's not the big bag where you feel like a slob if you eat the whole thing it's kind of like a medium bag so you feel pretty good if, if you eat most of it. So I can attest the Schnucks uh, brand chips are fantastic. Pick them up today at any Schnucks location. All right. Midday grind, 590 to the fan, 590thefan.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Get your text in. Blues thoughts. What'd you think of game one? What do you think about this series outlook here moving forward? We'll take a break. This is the midday grind, 590 to the fan, 590thefan.com.